Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, Alana. Um, okay. Come on in. Um, great to see everybody. Thanks for coming, even if you're on a day off today, or if you have on a day off today. It's nice. You don't have to come on a day off to be here, which is great. So, uh, appreciate it. I want to um, tackle today a topic that I always am bothered by every time we read this parsha. And one that we'll see does not have a whole lot of conversation in the Rishonim, but a lot more in the contemporary uh, commentaries. And maybe you'll explain to me later why that is. But I think I have, I have a sense of why that is. So let's take a look. Source number one. Parshas Bayechi. Um, and fascinating, right? The, a lot of the Mepharshim point out that the, word, the, the, the um, Parsha that deals almost ex- exclusively with death. Uh, the entire story is basically the death of Yaakov, right? The pre- getting ready, Yaakov preparing himself for death um, is called Vayichi, right? And he lived. Because um, so many of the lessons that Yaakov teaches his children in this parsha are all about how to live life. Um, and, you know, the, the, and that's what we're going to talk about uh, today as well. Some say that, uh, that the Medrash says that Yaakov was, um, had asked, that he asked the Rebbe Shalom to, to make him sick so he would be able to we think of sickness very often as a bad thing, right? But the idea of be- becoming sick when he's older uh, gave him an opportunity to sort of give a final messaging to his to his children and grandchildren. And the Yaakov is the first person, the Torah tells us, it's the first time you ever find in the Torah that someone gets sick. Um, so obviously we don't want sickness. But um, at the same time, there's a, it's fascinating to see like the idea almost as someone getting sick at the end of life kind of gives them an opportunity in a certain sense to recognize that the, the end is near and to kind of tie things up, which is what Yaakov does in this entire story. So take a look at source number one. So what happens? So Yaakov, he calls different people to come. Yosef comes first and he promises him about burying, don't bury him in, Israel, in, uh, in Egypt. We've talked about that in the past. So this time now he comes uh, and he bring, Yosef comes and brings his sons, just his sons of Ephraim and Manasseh to see, to see Yaakov. So he brings him in and he says to him, who are these people? So the simple shot, why does it say Mi'ela? He didn't recognize them. He didn't recognize them. them. He's older. He has a hard time seeing. His father got blind when he was older, right? So maybe he can't see well. Maybe, right? There's all kinds of reasons why he's asking Mi'ela. Mepharshim extrapolated a little bit on the Mi'ela, what he's bothered by, like what he can't understand when he sees the boys. We'll talk about that a little bit as we move along. And Yosef says to his father, These are my sons. These are my children that Hashem gave me. He says, fine, bring them close and I will bless them. Right? And the eyes of, of Yaakov had gotten heavy with age. Right? He's not able to see. Right? That uh, explains also the simple shot. Uh, he brings them close, and he kisses them and he hugs them. It's actually very. We don't. You don't need that. It's not necessary to tell us that, right? We're going to see actually an idea from Nissan Alper that he points out this point. It's actually very beautiful. What's the necessity in telling us that he did that? Okay, so maybe. I don't know what so we have to see. Like, there's something, there's something interesting. First he says, who are they? I don't know who they are. And then he brings them close and gives them a hug and a kiss. Which is actually very nice. You don't need to have that in the story. He's coming to give them a bracha. And, and I think sometimes we think of the stories of the brachos as being very kind of harsh, harsh uh, kind of sterile at times. Like, it's like kind of like very like passing down the generation to generation. Doesn't always feel so warm. Um, and, and, you know, special. I don't know. There's something about it that at times is... You know, challenging. I think to notice the language there, I think is actually very interesting. <laughs> Fine. But Yomer Yisrael El Yosef. So Yisrael says to Yosef, Basically, I thought I'd never see you again, and now I see your children. And he's like, you know, astounded. I can't believe like I'm seeing your grand, my grandchildren from you. I never thought I would see you ever again. So So he brings them forward. And they bow down. And now he takes the children. He takes Ephraim in his right hand to the left of his father. And he puts Menashe in his left to the right of his father. Like, how long did he like figure that out? Right? Like, right, what's my right is your right, right? Like, right? So he so he figures it out. He's placing them in the and now he brings them forward. So he holds them in the right place, right? And he brings them forward. What's his goal? Right? What's his goal? 
have the oldest be first. Have the oldest be on his father's right side and have the younger be on his father's left side, right? Because Menashe is the older one and Ephraim is the younger one. Fine. Then what happens? So what does he do? He does the opposite, right? He takes his hand and places it on Ephraim, his right hand on Ephraim, who at Seir, the younger one, and he takes his left and puts it on Menashe's head. yadav. Right, he switches his hands, because Menashe is really the older one. And he gives Yosef a bracha. So fine, so he gives Yosef a bracha. Fine. So he has his hands over the boy's hands. Heads, they're, they're swapped, right, crossed, and he gives Yosef a bracha first. And now, Yosef. And Yosef saw, Ki Yashis Aviv Yari Bino Arosh Ephraim. He saw that his father's right hand was on Ephraim's head. Vayera Be'enov. What does that mean? Vayera Be'enov. Oh, Vayera Be'enov. He was fearful. It was fearful or ra. It was bad. Bad. He's like very upset about this. Right? You see, Yosef is not like a, li- like a little, like, oh, shoot, like, let's just fix that. Vayera Be'enov. He's very upset. What is happening here? Right? He's very upset. Uh, sounds like a Yosef is very upset. Yeah, Yosef. He sees this and it's very bad in his eyes. But he smoke Yad Aviv and he and he he like holds on to his father's hand. La Sirosa to move it. He takes he takes he thinks like right. What's the simple shot? What is he like? He thinks his father's his father's can't see. He's confused. He's old. He takes his father's hand like what? No, Abba, you're making a mistake. And he and he takes his hand to move it. Lo this is wrong, Abba. Kizabachor, Put your hand on his head. Vayimain Aviv, his father. Vayimain means he refused. We spoke. Ah, good. So Vayimain, we mentioned the word Vayimain in past, right? That Vayimain is a language of that when he Vayimain, he was refused to be consoled. Right. Same language. Who else is Vayimain? Yosef is Vayimain, right? With the Yeshua's Potiphar, Vayimain. Same word. You see it again here, right? So the refusal in those moments is what? That is that a mild refusal? No. That's a very intense refusal. Absolutely not. No, he refused. His father refuses. Yadati I know. I know what I'm doing. Gamhu Gamhu He's he's gonna be great also. Don't worry, Menashe is gonna be great. Vulam But his younger brother is gonna be greater than him. Vizaro and his children will fill up, you know, either fill up the nations or there'll be lots of nations. And he gives them a bracha. Through you, the Jewish people should be blessed. Or, or in this way, we should bless the Jewish people. Hashem should bless you to be like Ephraim and Menashe. And then the Torah says, And he placed Ephraim before Menashe. I didn't know that. The place of Ephraim for Menashe? What's the point? Why are you telling me that? He says, lay more. Quote marks. This is what he said. Close quotes. And Torah says, and he put Ephraim before Menashe. I didn't know that by reading the Pasuk. Right? Weird, right? Okay. What do you see so far, just by reading the text? What is happening in this, certainly in the Ephraim Menashe piece? Not, what, what's, what's, what's going on? Yosef thinks that the Bechor should be first, the, the, the one who gets the blessings, and Yaakov thinks that Ephraim, the, the, uh, the younger one, should be first. Good. And how do they feel about it? Yeah, I'm just confused why Yosef is so upset, meaning like he's already with his own brother, seeing that like Ruvain's not stepping up, Yehuda is a leader, Yosef himself is a leader, mm-hmm. and it all worked out. It's all, and Yosef says to his brothers, this was all meant to be, this is all Hashem's plan. So why doesn't he think that like in the next generation also, so the Bechor doesn't... Good, doesn't so you're bothered, so Alana's bothered, why does Yosef make such a big deal, yeah, after it all, deal. it worked out fine in his family. What could someone? What could someone counter? No, it didn't work out. He resented them his whole life. No, he didn't. So I'm saying it's right. It's fair. So Lana's saying, why is Yosef so upset? It kind of worked out in the end. And by the way, this kind of happens a lot, right? So like, what's the big deal? Okay, what's the counter? Yeah. Isn't all of Bereshit sibling rivalry? 
Yes. This is not surprising at all, says Sophia. This makes perfect sense. So that's the thing, wait, but he probably doesn't want them to argue with one another. If up till this point, they haven't been enemies. Ah. If they haven't been enemies up till this point, putting the younger one before the first one, that might potentially make So what's he worried about, maybe? Vayera Ve'enav, like, holy cow, Abba. Do us a favor. The last group, <laughs> just leave them alone. I know, like, whatever. You had your, your ideas, but just, like, do us a favor. Like, stop. <laughs> stop it. All right, just don't do it. Just leave it alone. Just make it normal. Just do normal. I can just do normal, right? Just what do normal. Ah, good. Right. That's good. Good. And, and, and so on the one hand, Yosef's like, leave it alone. And Yaakov's like, what do you mean? It must be like this. And you're like, Why? Who cares? Just leave it alone. Again, Yaakov, we see what it what it meant. With the real, we see the brothers, we see what it meant. Like, what is it? Like, what is it talking about? Yeah. But it didn't come true. Right. Yes, it does come true. We're gonna How see. So? It does. We're gonna see. We're gonna see, right. We're gonna see Rashi that it does come true, okay. and it's not surprising you wouldn't know because like these are like details. Here. We'll see in a second. But it does. It does come true. Yes. And not only that, but yeah, going back to what you're saying. I would think, well, whereas Joseph might have said after the fact, okay, fine, well, I'm meant to be, fine, I'm, you know, I have the thing against my brothers. In reality, look what happened because of his brothers. He may very well, uh, you know, have, have you know, uh, regret what happened to his brothers. And may right. not feel as if it was all meant to be. Right, and, he does, and by the way, but, we've, you know, talked, we've talked before, right, we've t- talked other times about the, like, the conclusion to this story where the brothers, even after they bury Yaakov, they come back... Abba said, don't hurt us. Like, it's not a very, we're not like all rosy here at the end of the story. The story still ends kind of sad. Um, they haven't like made up perfectly. Everything's not all, all fine and dandy. Depends how you, a lot of fresh with different ways to explain the story. But like, it doesn't work out all so great in the end, right? Um, I mean, nothing works out great in the end in real life. But I'm just saying like, it, it, it's not, they don't heal so perfectly, right? And it takes time. Mean between uh, Yaakov and Yosef? Between Yosef and, and Yosef and his brothers. Yosef and his brothers. Right, so if Yosef and his brothers is not like, it's not all so great, right? He's still separate from them a, a lot. It's not so simple. And they don't heal so easily. There's a big discussion whether he really forgives them ever. Do we ever find that Yosef ever actually forgives his brothers? So it's a very complicated relationship still. So maybe Yosef is, is frustrated, right, by that, by that, what's about to happen, yeah. Um, also, though, this is the first time that two brothers are getting brachas at the same time. Like, yes. Right? Yes. Like, what is this? How, we never had this idea where right. the right hand We don't have like Asaph, right? Yaakov and Asaph don't get a bracha yeah, at the same time. Separate, Correct. Separate That's a good point. That's a very good point. It seems strange to me this whole thing starts off with Yaakov not even recognizing them. In the end, <laughs> right. he's like, no, this one has to be, you know, that just right. seems That's like. Good. So we're gonna, Wait, good. No. Why didn't he come up with it? Yes. Yeah. Good. Good, 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 good. You guys are picking up all the pieces that we're going to then put into, I hope, some type of explanation. The what? They're getting the same. Just one's name before the other one? Correct. They're still getting the same bracha now. It's not like Yaakov and Esau where they get different brachos. Right, correct. And by the way, Yaakov had just told Yosef before this Mm -hmm. that they're going to be like, I'm going to make them into tribes, which they do. And in the end of the day, Ephraim and Menashe are actually, some say this is only until the times of Mashiach, but, but, but that at least initially, or for a long time, Ephraim and Menashe are their own tribes. Right, so that's how Yosef gets two portions. Tell portions, exactly. But the, but the point being that they're, it's not like one of them is cast aside. Right. It's not like Yaakov and Esau, right? Where one of them is cast aside in that way. But, but still, it's pro- so there's a lot of problems here. There's a lot of, or I wouldn't say a lot of problems, but there's, there's, a, this, this, there's a very fierce, seems to be a fierce machlokas between Yaakov and Yosef about what to do here. Um, Yosef, in the end, by the way, steps away, right? Yaakov says, I know what I'm doing, and Yosef steps back and lets him do his thing. But there's a lot. There's a lot there. So the question is like, why? Why is such a big deal? Right, why does Yaakov? Why does Yaakov care so much? Why is Yosef so upset by it? And what do we do with this? Right. Okay. Fine. And 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 some of these questions also you guys ask like, like where at first he doesn't know who they are, and now he knows so much about the difference between the two of them. Like what what's going on with that? We're going to see as we move along. Okay. So take a look just at the beginning at Rashi. Rashi just kind of helps us a little in terms of understanding where we are in terms of, you know, just like, you know, it's simple for a second. Um, so Rash is the following. And this is a very important point because we do this every time we talk about the Avos, right? We remind ourselves on the one hand, if you just read the story like a story, you could treat them like regular people, but they're not totally regular people, obviously, right? These are people who had Devua. These are people who had understanding of what the future of their nation is going to be. This is not, these are not regular people. They're not, they're not, um, 
you know, uh, infallible, but they're not regular people also. So Rashi points out, right, which we translate as he swapped his hands, right? But the language, right, that he knew what he was doing, like sikel from the language of sikel, right, of wisdom, knowledge. Meaning sikel said, he knew what he was doing. This is not a mistake. Right? Yaakov is not like, not get it. He's not an old man who doesn't have wisdom, doesn't understand what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Right? In a very thoughtful and you know, specific, thoughtful way, right? I, I have here in parentheses. And on purpose, he was thoughtful about it. He knew Menashe was the Bechor. And he didn't. He specifically did what he did. This is very. This is very. You know, for good reason. Fine. And in fact, Rashi says, "Yadati bni Yadati." I know, says Rashi, "Yeshua Bechor." I know the Bechor is. And he says about it, about Menashe, "Kam hu yelaam v'kam hu yidam." Menashe is going to be great. Why? Sheasid Gidon latzeis mimenu shakarosh baruch hu sanes ayado. Gidon is one of the shoftim. If you don't know, Gidon is okay. It's a very Minor story. Gidon is one of the Shoftim. In the time of the Shoftim, when things go terribly for Kali for a long time, and there's like these, these people who show up, who get chosen by Hashem each time to like, f- you know, fight away the Plishtim and, and deal with the Vodazara in the community, you know, in, in Kali Yisrael. So Gidon has this, uh, as part of the story of Gidon, is that Hashem, uh, like, a, like a Malach comes to Gidon and he asks it and, to tell him, but he's like, he's up. And Gidon says, like, I don't know, like, show me some signs. So Hashem does a few different miracles for Gidon. He makes a fire come out of a rock. He does this thing where he puts down a, like a, like a um, fleece, like, of a, like an animal. And like one morning he wakes up and there's dew only on the fleece and nothing around it. And the next morning he wakes up and there's dew only around it and not on the fleece. Like these, like, you know, these miracles happen to Gidon that show that he's a very, you know, hush of person. So he ends up, and Gidon comes, where he comes from Manasseh. Oh, so Gidon, so that's a, that's a nice descendant, right, from Manasseh to have. However, Vulam says Rashi, Achiv Hakaton Yagidami Menem, but his brothers seem to be much greater. Why? Shasid Yoshua, let's say Simenem, right? So Yoshua ben Nun is from the time of Ephraim. So that's a much greater descendant. Okay. Shianchila Saaretz, Vilma Torah Israel. He's going to take Am Israel and Tarot Israel. He's going to split up the Nachla amongst all the tribes. It's going to be Yoshua ben Nun. He's the, the second in command to Moshe, and then he takes over, right? So he's very special. Fine. But, um, but, uh, but fine. So, the, so this is like in terms of the future. Of their descendants, yes, there is some of this, you know, technically, that one of them has greater descendants than the other. Fine. Um, okay, and he, yes, he places the frame in front of Menashe, good. The Ramban writes something interesting in source number three. Right, why does Yosef get so angry? Why is he so, I should say angry, uh, upset? Why is he so bothered by what's happening here? The watching his father's hands. Says the Ramban, Yosef haya Menashe Yoser. Maybe Yosef liked Menashe better. Right, because Menashe was the older one. Maybe that's why he was upset, because he's his favorite. By the way, according to the Medrash, Menashe spends his time where? With Yosef. In the past. The interpreter. Right, so, some, so, so the Medrash says that Menashe is the interpreter. We, we spoke before about Hamelitz Bedosam. There's an interpreter between Yosef and the brother. So who's that interpreter? Medrash says that's, a, that's Menashe. That Menashe would hang out with Yosef, and he's the one. So he, right, it works out well. He speaks Hebrew and Egyptian. Right, so when the brothers come as the spies, right, so he, he's the interpreter between Yosef. They, they don't know that Yosef knows Hebrew, so he, he plays, he feigns being this interpreter between the two of them. But that Menashe hangs out in the house, in the, in the, in the political realm, that was Menashe's place. Um, so it would make sense, just by the way, if that's true, that he kind of hangs out more with Yosef. Right, so maybe Menashe has like a special relationship with Yosef, and that's part, part of why he's upset. Okay. But the Ramban says what I really think, he thought he made a mistake. He thought his father doesn't understand what's happening. And if his father is making a mistake and he's giving a bracha without intention, meaning he's making a mistake in the bracha, it's not going to work. It's not appropriate. If you give the bracha to the wrong person, it's not going to work. Ah, uh, you're going to ask me, what about Yaakov, who stole the bracha from Yitzchak, and that was without him knowing. So in that story, what happens? After Esav says, is wow, he, it's good. Right, when Esav shows up, he's all angry, and he says, wow, it's, he, he, it's true, he's called Yaakov, Yaakovini Zebhamayim, he got me twice. First he stole my bracha, my bachor, and now he stole my bracha. And what does Yaakov say? Yaakov has a charag, though he shakes, but then he says, gam baruchiyah. 
and he says he is blessed. Meaning, at that moment, Yaakov confirms or affirms that the bracha that he gave to Yaakov was real. I meant it. Right? And he, and he gets some, so some explain that way, and that helps you around this problem of giving a bracha without knowing who you're giving it to. The point being that Yosef is nervous, he thought he's making a mistake, right? That's why Yosef eventually steps back. He says, Abi, you're making a mistake. And he says, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. Oh, okay. So that's why you don't hear from Yosef anymore afterwards. Because he understood. Meaning, what was he upset about? Not the switching. That it's not going to be fulfilled. It's, just, it's not going to work. Right? That he should make sure he knows. What, what are you, what's this? That's weird. Don't do that. I, what are you doing? Do you know who you're talking to? Right? So Yosef is all nervous. Shoot, let's not mess this up. And that's why he's all upset, says Rabbi. Okay. But you don't find the, the Mepharshim on the page, the Balaturim, and the Sforno, and no one really talks about, you know, well, I didn't look at every Rishon in, like, well, you know, on, on the text, but I, you don't find a lot of many, the Rishon really talk about, like, why does this matter so much? Why does it matter so much? And why is that one so worse? So take a look at the Refresh. Refresh, and I'm going to give you a couple of pieces, and I'm going to show you two, like, two, I think, real answers to this question. Um, or, you know, more bigger answers, I would say. The Refresh writes as follows. Here again, we have a case of a younger brother preferred before the firstborn. From Kain and Hevel to faraway generations, we find this divestment of the Bechorim. Hevel was pleasing in God's sight. Kain was rejected. Of Noah's sons, shame may not, not have been the eldest. Among Avram's sons, Yishmael gave way to Yitzchak. Among Yitzchak's sons, Esav gave way to Yaakov. Among Yaakov's sons, Reuven gave way to Yosef. Among Yosef's sons, Menashe gave way to Ephraim. The main dominion was given to Yehuda. Moshe too was a younger brother, and David Amelech was the youngest of his brothers. What is more, throughout Israel, the Bechoros forfeited their status. When does the Bechoros forfeit their status? After the Chet Egel, yeah. After the Chet Egel, when they do what they do at the Chet Egel, so then the Bechoros were supposed to want, the ones to serve the base of Migdash, like a taking from them given to the tribe of Levi. So basically, everything the Bechoros is ever supposed to get gets removed from them throughout almost every single Sounds story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a Bechor? <laughs> okay, there we go. From all this, one thing is clear. On the one hand, the firstborn is entitled to special privileges. By the way, that's still true. One thing that rem- remains, what does the before get? <coughs> a double portion in their inheritance. In inheritance. If you don't have a halachic, halachic will, then, then you don't do halachic will, so then technically your oldest son gets double your other kids. So make a halachic will. <laughs> if you haven't done it, if you need help, I'll help you. But uh, it's very easy to do. But it's, that's what happens. Halacha halacha It's still to this very day. If you don't make a, a will when you're, if you don't make a halachic will, then when you're uh, to this very day, when a person passes away, their their descendants, their their son gets a double portion. So what people do today is they do the halachic will, which basically says they, I won't get to all the details today. But but there's a, a way to do it that you set it up that you basically have, you owe you owe more money than you have to some other person. So basically you have no assets. And basically what you do is you say to your, you write it in a document to your other children, either pay all the money to that other person, right? or you split up the assets the way I'm going to delineate in the will. That's what, that's what you get, a, get around you know, giving a piece of but, uh, but technically, because otherwise that's what's supposed to happen. So, or just do it that way and have your kids fight it out. Um, that's all fine too. Uh, but from all this, one thing is clear. On the one hand, the firstborn is entitled to special privileges. He is the recognized representative of the family. Accordingly, he receives piece of nine. That's what he gets double. A double portion of the inheritance. Thereby it's indicated that power and spirit should go hand in hand. All of history, however, is nothing but the struggle of material power against divine spirit. The goal as revealed to Rivka is Virav Yavod Tzair. When Rivka's, ha- Rivka's children are fighting, Yaakov and Esav, so that she's told the, old, you know, the, uh, the younger one, the strong will be in service to the weak. Right? The, the strong one is going to end the day have to serve the younger one. But as long as this goal has not been attained, spiritual power and national might are separated from each other. Hakol kol Yaakov, vayedai midday Esav. Right? Esav is told, kasher tarid, only when you voluntarily subordinate yourself to him will you be able to stand beside him as an equal. Until then, material power imagines itself to be superior, but the truth is that it's always mastered. That in theory, what, or in, what Hashem wants, right, is that material wealth and spiritual growth go together, and the people who are the greatest in material wealth are also the greatest in spiritual growth. That doesn't really tend to happen always. So what, and what's happened throughout, throughout the, the generations, that's what, that's sort of like, if you go back to the stories of Yaakov, of Yaakov and Esau, what Yitzchak wants is he wants Esau and Yaakov to partner. That's his goal. Right? But it just doesn't work out that way. 
So it continues to happen over and over again as the Bechor, who is like the, in a certain sense, the, you know, the, the wealthier or the one who's going to have the physical things you know, more than, than the younger, doesn't always end up, and in fact, never ends up, the one who's really the leader of the family. Right? Because in the end, what we care about is spir- you know, spiritual success. And what we want, I wouldn't call it success, spiritual elevation, whatever you want to call it. But the point being that it's, you know, I'd say it even more, it's not necessarily going to happen that just because you're the Bahor that you're going to be the leader. Right? Just because you're the Bahor doesn't mean that you're going to be the person who's going to be the next, next in the generation to take your family to the next step. It doesn't have to be that way. That's like, well, you have to think like, so like, why does Hashem do this? Like, yeah. Why does he set it up? The time and time again we're being shown that lesson. It's like, why do they keep saying like, it should be the Bahor? But actually, it's not like, <laughs> like, I'm just trying to sit here and I'm like, what, what are we supposed to get at? So what do you, what do you think? Okay, that's like that it's for sure true. I think uh, to me, it's that it it doesn't, you know, spiritual attainment and success doesn't come doesn't just hand it to you, and right? that's something that any person can get, and it's not something that's dependent on your your birthright. Every single generation with okay, it should be, but no, it doesn't just have to be because you're born that way. You're not necessarily born into that. That's not necessarily something that again in this case it's like the spiritual inheritance. The point begins. It's the person who's the right person for it. The person who's worked hard at that. The person who wants it. The person who's who's in, willing to attain it. And it doesn't have to be that it comes it comes automatically to you as you know different you know lahavdiel like you know in the I don't know the the world of the king and queen or whatever right it automatically goes to the next person no matter who they are it doesn't make a difference. The answer here is that no, that's not how it works. Right again, does it have to always be the younger or the, you know the fact that the le- these leaders always end up being the people who are like the you know, the underdog or the person you would least expect, maybe again, there's a message there also, right? And then it's interesting that the Jewish people are like, actually, we really want kings. Right. And they made, right. you know, they started with that right. and didn't. Doesn't go didn't so great. Go so Doesn't great. go so great, yeah. But what made them create that? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yes, fine. So that, that's just a one point. I think it's interesting. An interesting point from Reverse that just note that this is just, this is actually just, it's actually very consistent. Right, and and if the, there's some type of messaging there about just because you are born into it doesn't mean it's necessarily coming to you, right? And certainly when it comes to spiritual to the world of, uh, of ruchnius, I think it's an important point, right? It's it's something that's available for everybody, right? It doesn't matter who you were born into. Um, I just wanted to show you this is a separate question that you guys actually asked the question, so I'm happy you set it up for me. But in source number five is Lemude Nissan. This is now two weeks in a row recording Nissan Alpert, um, or maybe three weeks in a row. Um, that he asked the question as follows. He says, Utmihani, on the first line there, he says, Ernest Nalpa was a Rosh Hashiva in, in YU, he was a community rabbi, um, and there's a safer called the Mudenisa, which is like his, uh, his, his Divrei Torah. So he writes, uh, five, right? Source number five? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. Utmihani, Amenasha, Verfraim, Din Shifte Ka. He says, I don't get it. The Verfraim Amenasha are already made into, into tribes. Why are you now like giving them brachos as Bnei Yosef? You already made them into tribes. So what's happening here? And he writes as follows: I want to explain this like Rashi says. Why did he say me ela? What he the reason he said it was because she'enam ruuim When he first saw them, he said I, not he didn't know who they were. But at first he kind of said to himself like I don't know if these these kids are the right kids to get the bracha from me. Like, maybe they're not the right people to be next in line. Why? Even though Yosef had raised them and taught them, it was obvious when you looked at them that they had influence of the world around them, right? They looked like Egyptians. They didn't look like Jews. But Yosef, Heshiv, and when Yosef responds, they're my children. They're really my children. But Hashem put me in this place. What can I tell you? There's going to be some... At, you can't live in a land and have it not have an impact on you. It's impossible. Right? On Sunday, we were in the mall. Right? And we were walking to the mall on Sunday. And Sunday was Arif, you know, a holiday. And I just said, I said to him, like, I feel like we're like, this is what it means to be a journalist. You go to the mall, I'm like, la, 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 la. You just like, can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, get, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. You know what I mean? Okay, you stay in your house. But like, this is what it is. And there are a lot of different people. You know what I'm saying? But like, but, but that's on purpose. But that's on purpose. So either you create places, right, where you're totally, right, you know, you're totally, uh, you know, insular, 
or you're going to have impact. It's going to be impacting. You can't not, you can't not have it you know singing around in your head. So what does Yashi say? Veheshiv Yaakov. Yaakov responds. Kachem ne alive of Arachem. He says, bring them to me, and I'll give them a bracha. Perish ha'etzav aderech l'sharish hashpos hazaros. Meim, how am I going to bring them close to Yiddishkeit and not be stuck with what they're seeing on the outside? Who are they? Kiruv ve'ahava v'lo aydechot tochacha. By bringing them close, by sweetness, by warmth, not by giving them musar. V'zema sh'amar kachem na'ilai. Bring them to me, va'az, va'varachem, and then I'm going to give them a bracha. Ukomoshi isparachakach, va'inashekosam, va'inchabekosam. That's why he says he hugs and kissed him, kissed him. He realizes at first, like, and by the it's almost like he has an epiphany. He's like, what is this? He's like, you know what? It's not going to work. Bring him close, give him a hug and kiss. And then I, and I'm going to give him a bracha that way. And make them feel, right? He says, and that's how you're going to be mechanic children. And this now passed away in the 1980s. So he's not talking in 2023. He couldn't even imagine 2023. Right? But like, even then, right? In the 1970s, he's thinking, the way you can bring them close is by hugging and kissing, right? Make them feel warm and close. And that's, what's, that's what Yaakov Vinu is doing. He's giving them that, that, that sense of who they're supposed to be. You know, the, the right and the left, okay. But, but the, 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 the most important that he brings them close, they should hug them and kiss them. Fine. But I want to show you two, sort of two, um, kind of broader answers to this question. Okay? Um, and to understand these two answers, we need to look at how Yosef names his children. Okay, look at source number six. Source number six tells us how Yosef names Menashe and Ephraim. Yosef Yulad Shnebanim. Yosef had, two, this is back in parts of the kids. He, has, he gave birth to two children, his wife did. Beterem Tavosh before the before the family even arrived. Ashi Yadala Osnas Bas Potifera Kohenon, right? His wife Osna. The first one he names Menashe. How do you translate those words? God has made me forget completely. My hardship. And my parental home. Hashem has helped me to forget where I come from. That's why isn't he called Menashe. I forget where I've come from. Okay? Which is a good thing. No. I don't know. It's what, I don't know if it's good or bad. That's what he calls him. <laughs> because where he came from is painful to him. Ah, okay. So maybe he needs that. But right? But Very interesting. that is reminding him and ah. calls okay. his name. Now he's going to call him that forever. So, uh, okay, good. But that's what, he, that's what he calls him. I'm not telling you good or bad. That's what he calls him. Okay? Ne- next. The Shem HaSheni Kara Ephraim. The second one he names Ephraim. Kifrani Elokim Be'eretani. Because Hashem has made me Fertile in the land of my afflictions allowed me to be successful in my place. That's a very difficult place. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, Menashe means Hashem has helped me forget where I've come from and from my father's house. And Ephraim is, I've been able to be successful where I am. Fine. Take a look at Rabbi Sachs. I was like, who's going to have an answer to this question? Said, Let me just see. Can you imagine who might say? So this is a long piece, but I'll, I'll try to, not to read the whole thing, but let's read it is not difficult to understand the care that Yosef took to ensure that Yaakov would bless the firstborn first. Three times his father had set the younger before the elder, and each time it had resulted in tragedy. This is just three times that Yaakov did it. He, the younger, had sought to supplant his elder brother Esau. Right? Yaakov himself does this. He becomes the younger in the place of the older. He favored the younger sister Rachel over Leah. And then he favored the youngest of his children, Yosef and Benjamin, over the elder Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Right? So three times Yaakov himself places the youngers before the older. The consequences were catastrophic. Estrangement from Esau, tension between the two sisters, and hostility among his sons. Again, we can have answers for Yaakov in every single case. We can give, you know, but let's, right, fine. Yosef himself bore the scars, thrown into a well by his brothers who initially planned to kill him and eventually sold him into Egypt as a slave. Had his father not learned? Or did he think that Ephraim, whom Joseph held in his right hand, was the elder? Did Jacob know what he was doing? Did he not realize what he was risking, extending the family feuds into the next generation? Why did Yaakov favor Ephraim and Menashe? Next paragraph. Yaakov knew two things. And it is here that the explanation lies. Oh, sorry, one thing he mentions here, that he didn't know anything about the children. That maybe he didn't know them. Simple shot, he didn't, we don't know that he knows anything about them. The Medrash says that Ephraim used to learn with Yaakov. That Menashe stayed with, ya- with Yosef in the house, you know, and would, and would, in the palace and would work with him. And that, and that Ephraim hung out with, with Yaakov learning. But according to simple pshat, we don't know that. So, what, so what's going on here? So he says Yaakov knew two things. And the, I mean, if you look at the text, there's only two things that Yaakov knows. And it's here the explanation lies. 
He knew that the stay of his family in Egypt would not be a short one. Right? He knows that. Hashem tells him that. They're going to stay there for a long time. This is it. God tells him, you're going to go there, you're going to stay there, etc. Skip to the next paragraph. This was, in other words, the start of the long exile which God had told Abraham would be the fate of his children. The other thing, so that's number one. One thing that Yaakov knows is, this is going to be a long stay. The other thing Yaakov knew was his grandson's names, Menashe and Ephraim. The combination of these two facts was enough. When Yosef finally emerged from prison to become prime minister of Egypt, he married and had two sons. And this is described, Torah describes the birth. He's going to quote the Pesach we just saw. So now skip where it's underlined. With the utmost brevity, the Torah intimates an experience of exile that was to be repeated many times across the centuries. At first, Yosef feels relief. The years as a slave that a prisoner were over. He had risen to greatness. In Canaan, he had been the youngest of 11 brothers in a nomadic family of shepherds. Now in Egypt, he was at the center of the greatest civilization of the ancient world, second only to Paro in rank and power. No one reminded him of his background. With his royal robes and ring and chariot, he was an Egyptian prince. The past was a bitter memory. He sought to remove them from his mind. Menashe means forgetting. Right? So at the first, it's like, Gewalt. I'm doing great. I made it through. I'm in Golis, but I'm doing great. Right? I'm doing great. He wants to forget. But as time passed, Yosef began to feel quite different emotions. Yes, he had arrived, but this people was not his, nor was its culture. To be sure, his family was, in any worldly terms, undistinguished, unsophisticated, yet they remained his family. They were the matrix of who he was. Though they were not more than a shepherd, shepherds they had been, who Egyptian, the Egyptians hated, they had been spoken to by God. Not the gods of the sun, the river, and the death, and death, the Egyptian pantheon, pantheon, but God, the creator of heaven and earth, who did not make his home in temples and pyramids and panoplies of power, but who spoke in the human heart as a voice, lifting a single, simple family to moral greatness. By the time his second son was born, Joseph had undergone a profound change of heart. To be sure, he had all the trappings of earthly success. God has made me fruitful, but Egypt had become the land of my affliction. Why? Because it was exile. There's a sociological observation about immigrant groups, this is fascinating, known as Hansen's Law. The second generation seeks to remember what the first generation sought to forget. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Joseph went through this transformation himself very quickly. It was already complete by the time his second son was born. By calling him Ephraim, he was remembering that when Manasseh was born, he was trying to forget who he was, where he came from, where he belonged. Yaakov's blessing of Ephraim over Manasseh has nothing to do with their ages and everything to do with their names. Knowing that these were the first two children of his family to be born in exile, knowing too that the exile would be prolonged and at times difficult and dark, Yaakov sought to signal to all future generations that there would be a constant tension between the desire to forget and the promptings of memory. The child of forgetting, Menashe, may have blessings, but greater greater are the blessings of a child of Ephraim who remembers the past and future which he is part. Fascinating. So what what, Rebecca Sachs argues is that when Yaakov says... I want, I'm giving primacy to Ephraim. Simcha Elohim, Kephraim, Vichim, Menashe. It's not that Ephraim was better than Menashe. I mean, obviously, there's things in there that, are, that, that the text even sp- speaks to, but that it was more about the primacy of the messaging of Ephraim. The messaging of Ephraim was more important. The messaging of, you know what? I do know who I am. I've had success, but I, but I haven't forgotten that I, that I don't really belong here. And Yosef, as the quintessential Gullus Jew, as we talked about a lot, right? Has, is, is, that's what Yaakov says, look, we're going to be here for a while. And if you can't remember who you are, you're going to forget, you're finished. So I can't have Menashe first. I have to have Ephraim first. That's the approach we're Beautiful. Very nice. I want to show you now one last idea. And this last idea comes from the Shem Yishmuel. Shem Yishmuel was a Sachach of a Rebbe, of Shmuel Bornstein. Um, and he says, also, uses the names of Ephraim and Menashe, but he, but, he, but he takes it to teach me something different. And he writes as follows. Take a look at source number eight. What's the difference? What's Yaakov and Yosef's machlokas? She Yosef ratsashi yugdam Menashe Ephraim, vi Yaakov higdim Ephraim Menashe. Right? Each one's deciding who goes first. Why? The yesh lomar, the inyan umahus Menashe, who hasaras hamonea. Hasaras means taking away the thing that is in your path, meaning getting rid of the bad. Right? What does he say about Menashe? I forgot about all that bad stuff in my life. 
Right? That's what Menashe represents. Hasaras Hamanea. By Yoshev of Yosef. Right? Because uh, right, Menashe sat in front of Yosef and he, he hung out with him in the palace. Who is Shimon of Asurim? Menashe is the one who throws Shimon in, in, in jail. Right? Um, fine. Vephraim Mauso, Hispashtus Ha'ara Elokis, Veshefa Hashem. Ephraim is positivity. Right? Flourishing, doing well, being successful in the Vodosesha. Take a look at source number nine. Right? It was a Pasuk in Tehillim. It became a famous song. Who is the person who wants life? Right? Who loves days to see good? Don't speak Lashonara. Surmera Vasetov. Be a person who's a surmeira, stays away from bad, and asetov, and does good. Right? There's two things that every person in their avodah has to do. We have to stay away from bad stuff, and we have to run after the good things. And Yaakov and Yosef, Yaakov Yosef says to Shemishmua, had a fundamental machlokas about which one is more important. Which one's primary? Do we first set up boundaries right, and make sure that we root out all bad? Or do we first get working on doing good. And if I get working on doing good, what's going to probably happen? The bad stuff starts to fall away because I'm so excited and happy and, and positive in the good things that I'm doing that I'm not going to get caught up in the negative. And by the way, there's arguments to be made in both directions. But the Shemesh argues that the, that the ultimate argument or the ultimate point that Yaakov is making to Yosef is it's not going to work this way. I can't... I, if, if you want to be successful, maybe, by the way, he doesn't say in Golos, but if you want to be successful as... You know, in Avodos Hashem, both as an individual and as a nation, what's not going to work is constantly no, 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 no. It's not going to work. There has to also be a Asetov, and maybe even a primacy, right, of the Asetov. And in fact, he points out in a different place that this is reflected also in the Avodos the Avod Yom Kippurim. And Yom Kippurim, what do we do? We take, we do a lottery, right, for the two, there's another, there's another two, right, who the two? The two goats. Right, so one get, goat is sent La Zazel, and one go to send La Hashem. Right? They both get killed, so that's bad, but the La Hashem is considered better. Right? That's like, nice, that's good. Right? It's not nice for the goat, but you know what I'm saying. So, and, but, so you might think, if I had to ask, so they do the lottery, and they find out this one's La Zazel, and this one's La Hashem. So if I asked you, so what, what should you, what's the first thing you're going to do after you decide to figure out who's who, what should happen first? Anyway, I set you up, but what would you have thought? Take this here, La Zazel, take the bad one, get it out of here. Send it on its way. It'll fall off a cliff. And, you know, all kinds of stories to explain what, what that's all about. But send it out there and get rid of that bad, right? And then I'll be left with the good and I'll bring it up. That's not what we do. What do we do? Actually, the Pasuk tells us we take that Seir Lazazel and should be Yo'amar Chai Lifnei Hashem It stands there and it watches, actually, while the other one is taken Lashem. We give primacy to the Asei Tov as opposed to the Surmeirah. Why? Because if I just spend my time focused so much on getting away from the negative, I'm not going to have an opportunity to get to the positive. So, Argus Zachar Shavar Rebbe, this was, again, it's Machlokas, again, about their names and their, their you know, nature in a certain sense, what they represent. Right? It's not about Ephraim and Menashe, which, by the way, makes, it makes me feel a little better um, for two reasons. A is, it'd be hard to imagine that this whole conversation is really about, and we've said this over and over again, the Avos are not about themselves as individuals, right? They're really there to be, right, to be you know, representative for us uh, in terms of what we're expected to do as a people, right? They're, and so to say this is about, like, the personality of Ephraim and Menashe is, I think, very difficult. Right? And the argument here, it's not about the personality of Ephraim and Menashe. Either you take <coughs> the approach of Rebbe Sachs, that's about the approach to a Jew in Galas, right? Uh, or is it about the approach to a Jew in Avodos Hashem? In either direction, the point being, it's about what, what, do, you, what do you give primacy to? Fine. So I want to show you, just before we finish, which is our last thing, a piece from my new favorite sefer, Baderich. Baderich is Rabbi Judy Michelle's sefer. If you don't have it, it's a great, great, great sefer. It's beautiful. Um, and he, this is the, the very first chapter. is an introduction and the first chapter. And he begins the whole book by talking about um, the trip he took the first time to Uman, to Ukraine. I don't know if you can go to Uman anymore. Uh, uh, but they went, this year. they went still yeah. with the war in Ukraine. Fine. So, but people go, right? People go uh, to to Uman, and they go under uh, for Rosh Hashanah. There are people who go to Uman. Fine to see Rabbi Nachman of Breslov is buried in Uman. 
So people who go to Uman, it's a whole group that goes to have Uman and Rosh Hashanah. Don't ask what happens with their wives. It's a different story. Um, it's a complicated thing. The husbands leave their wives to go. Fine. So I don't, I'm never going to go. Don't have to worry. <laughs> 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 um, but fine. The bottom line is, so Judah went once to Uman. It was an unsi- the, most, of the sto- most of the book is about stories he tells about other people. But the first story is about himself. Okay? It was an unseasonably warm air of Rosh Hashanah afternoon in Uman, Ukraine. Along with tens of thousands of others, I made the trip together with a band of friends who are brothers, heeding the call of Rabbi Nachman of Reslev to travel to the Tzaddik, to daven and celebrate the day of coronation and the start of the new year in his presence. I was sitting on Pushkina Street, called by some Poshkina. This is where they're cute, right? Indeed, divine, I don't know who, when they named it. Indeed, divine Jews of every stripe, color, and persuasion joyfully filled the streets surrounding the Tzion, the resting place of Rabbi Nachman. A community of yearning souls forming a beautiful tapestry that reflected the light of Rabbeinu and Rabbi, Rabbi Nachman. Friends, old and new, were greeting each other, embracing with the sound of music and prayer and chavah camaraderie in the air. You can imagine what it's like if you've been around Breslov Chasidim. Imagine what it's like in Numan. You know, tens of thousands of, of, of people. But it's not just Breslov Chasidim who go. Like, all kinds of people go. Strangers were stopping strangers just to shake their hands with openness and sincerity. Loving, exuberant calls of Shalom Aleichem were heard from every corner. The excitement was palpable. After the powerful communal recitation of the Tikkun Claudius of Rabbi Nachman's thing you're supposed to say, I was heading back down Pushkina Shakedown Street, enjoying the scene and looking for ice cream, when I literally bumped into an acquaintance from Jerusalem. An older, wiser, and more experienced traveler, I asked if he had any advice, an etza, a trip, a tip for the journey. He smiled and he answered softly, just be yourself and have the humility to follow instructions. With an earnest smile and slightly mischievous tone, he added, have a sweet new year and continued quickly down the road. The simple hadracha, guidance, struck me in a profound way and resonated with everything I had been wanting and trying to live with for so long. What does it mean to just be yourself? And what are the instructions we are meant to humbly follow? And why did it take traveling halfway across the world to the darkness of the Ukraine for such an epiphany? Yiddishkeit begins with the story of a journey. Go from your land. The Lachlacha of Avram and Sarai initiates a new modality of being, navigating the unknown, living in process, in the middle, on the way. Traversing the gulf between one point and another means letting go of self-definitions, not being bound by place. Liminal meaning means relating to a transitional or initial stage of a process, occupying a position at or on both sides of a boundary or threshold. To be an alive person means to be in a liminal state of change, growth, and development. By means of lach lecha, we initiate a journey from our old home, our birthplace, and family, away from all that is known and familiar. The destination is unknown. We open ourselves to discovery and transformation to uncover our deeper origin story. He quotes there, after that, a, a, a piece from, from Rav Kook. Rav Kook writes, and I'll just read it to you, HaTshuva HaReshit, what does Tshuva mean? She mi'ira es miyad, which immediately illuminates the darkness. He shiyashuv ha'adam el atzmo. It's for a person to return to himself. El shorash nishmato, to the root of their soul. Umiyad yashuv elokim. And then they can return to Hashem. El nishmas kol nishamos. Vayelech v'yitzad hala ma'ala ma'ala b'kedusha batara. That's the thing a person can do. V'davar zed no hey, b'en b'ish yechidi, an individual person can do this. B'en am, shalem, an entire nation. B'en b'chol nishiyot. Any person. All human beings. B'en b'tikun kol ha'havaya. And, the, the, and, and why am I quoting this to you? That the idea of tshuva is to go back. I never understood what this meant, that tshuva means return to self. I, I like never really got it. And I thought about it when I read it this morning. I thought about the following. I have conversations with young men in yeshiva a lot um, about like what it is that they want to do as they leave. A lot of boys, as they're leaving the yeshiva, so like 21, 20, they've been spending like, they've spent by this time like three, four, five years in yeshiva, learning, 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 learning. And they'll come and they'll say like, Rebbe, like, I was in yeshiva for a long time. Like, I don't know if I like learning. <laughs> and they're scared. What does that mean about me? Right? Or like, I, I, I know that I dress like this and I do this. And I, I don't know, like, if I do that because I want to. I do it because my friends do it. And I'll say to them, like, okay. So time to talk about it if you want to do it or not. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not what I meant, right? And I say, no, let's, let's talk about it. Why do you do it? What do you do it for? What, what's the reason that you're doing all this in the first place, right? And that can be a very scary conversation for them and sometimes it takes them a while to like really, like I just want to go sit by yourself and write a letter to yourself or like really ask yourself the question, like why do I do what I do? Why? What am I here for, 
right? Does it matter to me? And I'm not, not with a guilt of like, you better come back with, oh yeah, I love learning. I want to learn 12 hours a day. No, come back with what it is that really matters to you. Why do you, you don't hate all that you do. There's some things that you really like. So what are the things that you like and why do you do them and what's connect, how do you connect to those things and why does it matter? And let's figure out what your life's going to look like when you leave yeshiva and you have a job and you're figuring out how to spend your free time, et cetera. And what, what I'm getting at is that no person can be committed to Yiddishkeit unless they understand the things that make them tick. Right? If we don't understand the things that we are drawn to, the things that we like, the things that matter to us, things that are meaningful to us, then, it's, then I'm constantly just fighting myself. I'm doing things because other people think that I should. I'm doing things because it looks a certain way. I'm do- and again, don't get me wrong. There's a huge value in surrounding ourselves in a culture that has similar values. But if I never stop and ask myself, like, what is the thing that draws me? What's the assay tov right, for me in my Yiddishkeit? So then I have a very hard time feeling comfortable and good about it. Again, we, feel, we should feel, always feel a little uncomfortable. We're always trying to change and to grow. And, but like, the sense of like, what does it mean to be me I think it's something that we don't think about a lot. I mean, every, every year I hear, tshuva means return to self. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Return to what? And it just occurred to me like a few, a few weeks ago. Like, I think that's what this means. And it means an understanding of myself and how I can relate to Yiddishkeit. And I relate to Torah Mitzvos. And like, what does it mean for me personally? And that might take me all kinds of places, but at least I'm being honest and real about it. And I think that, so, when I, so how does this relate to the word we just said? So I, I, I think the way it relates, so maybe it's a little... You know, but I think the way it relates is that maybe what Yaakov was saying to Yosef is like, don't just make it like, oh, like, the, like just don't do the wrong thing. Don't do the wrong thing, you'll be fine. I, I don't know. A Shabbos, which is just like, you know, no, 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 no. I don't know, for most of my kids, like, that doesn't go so great, right? It doesn't go so great for us as adults either. Right? It's just a no, and that's the primary, is the no. It's hard. It's especially today, but I think it was probably true before also. It's just, it, I don't think we gave him some big chiddish. Like it, it's hard when everything's, when the focus is the no. When the focus is, kefrani elokim, like, wow, like, yeah, I like this, and I like that, and I like this. This is hard for me, and I'm working on that one. But this I really like. So then I can feel good about it and positive about it, and then I can consider places where I can grow, and again, be honest with the things that, 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 are, that I struggle with. And I think that, and I, and I wonder, and I don't know if that's, what, you know, exactly what the Sakha Trevor means. And I don't think exactly what Yaakov Avini meant, but I think it's true anyways. You know, that, that, that to me is like the, the, this real machlok between Yaakov and Yosef. And by the way, what's Yosef's whole life? No. Yosef is, and by the way, he grows through no, right? Vayimayin. He steps away from Asia's Potiphar. He's survi- Yosef is a survival, you know, you know uh, he's MacGyver. You know, like he makes it through. He gets, he, he's, he survives something that no one else could survive. Why? Mainly because he learned how to say no. Right? So it makes sense. Yosef's like, no, 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 we got to do the no thing. We got to make sure that we're not doing the wrong thing. And Yaakov's like, I know that worked for you, Yosef, because you needed that, but that may not be the way for everybody else. And it's not going to work great for everyone if that's becoming our only math. Again, you can't have one without the other. You can't just have positive and nice and great and not their Yisurim also. We have to stay away. But, 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 yes, it is why he's called Yosef Tzadik, because he's the one who's, who survives. He controls himself. He stays back, right? And that's, and that's a huge mile. We, Yosef is a tremendous. Uh, you know, tremendous role model for us. But, but perhaps that's part of the argument here is like, I know, but survival mode is not, that doesn't lead to flourishing. That leads to survival, leads to getting by. And it's hard to pass on survival. Right? We need to do more than that. Right? I don't just keep Shabbos because people died in the Holocaust. And this doesn't work. I've already become one. It's not wearing a, not wearing a tie. You know? but, uh, but I think it's true. I think it's true. I think it's true because we just, we just do things because it's negative, don't worry, I, I do a lot, a lot of no in my house also. But um, I think it's true, I think it's important. So whatever t- approach you like, it can be, uh, you know, you love the hugging, the hugging and the kissing, I love the hugging and the kissing of the Muda and Yusan. You like the, you know, Rabbi Sachs, or this idea of the Sakhachavar, which I, you know, connected to Rujuda. Um, whatever it is, I think, I think these are all take us on positive journeys, which is what this whole book's about. The journey of, of Am Yisrael as a family becoming a nation what are the things that we should be focusing on as we try to you know, pass this down to our children? I think that this is certainly one of the things to think about. Okay. Beautiful.